Welcome to episode number 34 of Quality Christian Living. I am your host, David Friend. We are currently in a series entitled Finances Need Prayer and Faith. If there's anything we need to be clear on, and that is that God wants to bless us. And he realizes that the issue of finances is a significant one. Matter of fact, it's recognized so much in the Word of God, it's it's quite shocking. It's said that one-sixth of the Word of God deals with the issues of finances, the proper use, our improper use, the misuse, the abuse, borrowing, lending, and all those things related to our finances. So because of that, I feel very confident that the Lord would like for us to spend time understanding how He wants us to deal with finances. Today's session is a particularly difficult one for me because it has to do with the word greed. Now, sometimes when you mention the word greed, people think, well, I don't want to listen to that because that's not me and I don't think that I should really even need that. But the subject of greed is crucial to understand that sometimes in our own financial planning, we can be challenged with and have a battle with dealing with the issue of greed. So we're going to take that in today and figure out a way to get help and direction as we explore another area of of our podcast entitled Quality Christian Living. Now, Quality Christian Living is designed to help us with every area of Christian life, our finances, our marriages, raising children, working, our faithfulness to the house of God, all these various subjects. But today, we're going to focus primarily on the subject of how to avoid greed and prosper. May the Lord bless you as you listen. Father, I pray, Lord, you would anoint and touch this message. Help me, Lord, to bring forth what you would have me to say and take away anything, Lord, that would not help, encourage, and bless those who are listening in today. Thank you for this opportunity, Father, to speak to so many, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I could spend the next 30 minutes just giving you scriptures relating to money and how it is associated with the word greed. Let's start with 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 9. The Apostle Paul wrote 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy in order to give help and instruction to a young man who was new in the faith. And Paul knew that Timothy needed some instructions, especially in the area of money, true riches, and how God wants us to deal with finances. So I'm reading in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. There's enough there just to talk on finances, money, and greed. But let me just give you a couple thoughts and suggestions on how to understand this scripture. When Paul was telling Timothy that people who long to rich fall into challenges or temptations and are trapped by making foolish decisions, as a banker, I've seen that in my own life. I've seen many people who they, they live for one thing alone, and that was to be richer than the next guy. They wanted money, money, money. Their entire focus on life was how they could make more. And when they made more, they wanted to make more. And it never seems to be satisfied. The desire just for greed and money is an endless desire and a challenge that really can destroy people's lives. Today, when we talk about money, we look at some of the activities we see in our country. The stock market always is challenged with people dealing in various forms of fraud and not dealing with proper relationship with their clients. There's new things out today called cryptocurrencies where there's a lot of confusion and a lot of questions about it. I'm not here to give you suggestions and ideas on what to invest in. That's not my role. That's not the purpose that God has 
placed upon my heart. But I'm here to help you identify things in your life and in my life that I've experienced that'll help us grow in our walk with God and help us to have the type of financial prosperity that the Lord desires for us. When Paul was talking to Timothy, he wanted him to understand that he's going to be, Timothy is, is going to be dealing with a lot of people struggling with wanting to make money. And so if, if Timothy needed money to start his church or get things involved in a church, he would be challenged with people. I know as a pastor for 20 years, probably one of the biggest challenges that people have in the church is when the pastor gets up and says something about finances. I know in our own church, we always give people an opportunity each week to give their tithes, our offerings to the church. We speak it from the pulpit. We say things from the word of God, explain that it is God's plan. And even with that, even using God's word, there's people who are offended in my early experience as a Christian, I had kind of put up a wall about the in the area of finances. I can remember one day when an evangelist came into the church, he was preaching up a storm and he didn't know me. I had no idea who he was, but I had been struggling with finances. I had a real problem with how much money I should give to the church. I thought drop $10 here and $20 there and that'd be enough. I don't really need to do anything other than that. Well, right in the middle of this evangelist's message, he said, I need to stop here because there's someone in the room in this building right now who's struggling in the area of finances. I'm here to tell you that God wants to bless you, but you've built up a wall between you and the Lord so that he can't bless you in your finances because you won't put him first. And when he said that, I thought, my goodness, did my wife talk to him or did the pastor talk to him? It was something that hit me very hard. And so I went home that afternoon and my wife and I were chatting. And I said, Sharon, this message today. Did you hear the comment that he said about the finances? She said, yeah, a little bit, but I didn't pay much attention. See, it hit me hard because I was struggling with finances. It didn't seem to bother her because she had no problem in the area of giving to the church and wanted us to become tithers. So we, we prayed about it together and decided that we would put God first in our finances and that we would give right off the top of what we make. The first 10% of everything that we make would go to the work of the Lord. From that day on, I was totally at peace about finances. Matter of fact, I look for opportunities to give and I've been so blessed to be able to to give into other people's lives. And as we put our finances first with God, then I found out that God was then helping me in making better financial decisions in my business and in my daily activities and my budgeting and the expenses that we had. So the, the payback and giving to God is that he now is able to speak to us and direct us and help us and guide us in all the areas of finances that we need to make. So these scriptures I'm going to be reading to you today Today have so much to do with us being careful that we don't love money more than we love God. That reminds me of the words that Jesus spoke recorded in Luke chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's powerful. That's something that'll totally clear up our misunderstanding about how God looks at money and looks at us and how he wants us to look at him. So I'm going to go back now into the Old Testament in the book of Ecclesiastes. King Solomon has been given the credit for writing the book of Ecclesiastes by many theologians. So let's go back and see what he had to say about this issue of greed and finances and the impact that money can have on our life. I'm going to be reading in Ecclesiastes 5, chapter 5, and verse number 10. Here's what it says in the New Living Translation. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth, except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? 
Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement and one that we can learn a lot from. So let's go back into it, look at it kind of word by word. I always enjoy that when I talk about a scripture. I'd like to help you find a way to have it sink into your life. Now remember, King Solomon was a wealthy man. It's considered by most theologians that he was the wealthiest man ever in the history of our world. So he wrote these words, those who love money will never have enough. Now, if that doesn't tie in with what I told you earlier about my experiences as a banker, but not only as a banker, as a pastor, I had discovered that many people have this burning desire to get more and more money, and it seemed like they were never satisfied with what they had. When it came time to ask them to give to the church, oh, they would be generous and sometimes give a a certain donation or whatever, but that never stopped them from wanting to make more and more and in order to be maybe the wealthiest person in their family or the wealthiest person in the church or the wealthiest person in their business, whatever it might be. If you're driven by a desire to be rich, just period be rich, then there's a form of greed that's taking place in our life. If we are obsessed with the idea that money is the number one thing we want to think about and talk about. I know I go out to lunch with a lot of people. I have coffees with a lot of people and have for many years in banking and when I was a real estate developer and also as a pastor for nearly 20 years. So through all those times, I met a lot of people who had a lot of money. I met a lot of people who didn't have hardly any money at all. But I found one thing that was common in many people is that all they wanted to talk about was money. How to get it, how not to spend it, how to keep their wife from spending it, how to have money to pay for their kids, how to have money to buy a nice home, how to have money to be able to give to the work of the Lord. It's just common. So it's vital that we understand that God doesn't have a problem with money. He doesn't say that money is evil. He says the love of money, which means putting money in front of him. That's the only thing he's concerned about is that we understand that he has the power to give us wealth. Remember, your source for all your financial blessings are not your business. It's not your investments. It's not your counselors. It's God. God is the one. He's the only one who will be your source of financial blessing. There's a lot of folks that you say, well, they're they're not very nice people. They're maybe even evil people. They're people that are anti-God. They hate the church. They hate the Bible. They don't like Christians and on and on. And, and yet they're rich. They're filthy rich. Well, the way I always look at that is if the devil can get their attention by making them wealthier and wealthier and wealthier, then he'll do that. And he can help people in ways that, that we not, don't even know of by, by taking their thoughts away from God, by robbing them of having a good family, by robbing them of not having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or believing in the word of God. They put all their effort, all their desire, all of their resources into becoming more and more wealthy. That's just pure greed. There's no other way to describe that. And the Bible tells us over and over again, and we'll get into a lot of those scriptures because I'm going to have at least a couple sessions on this topic of greed. The Bible tells us over and over to avoid any form of greed. We'll get into what that means a little bit later, but right now, let's, let's go back to Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10. Now, the end of verse 10. How meaningful to think that wealth brings true happiness. Isn't that how meaningless it is to think that? It doesn't bring happiness. Yeah, it makes things a little easier. It, it is nice. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, I've been rich and I've been poor. And he says, but it really doesn't matter because my relationship is with God. Regardless whether I'm hungry or whether I'm I'm full, whether I have a house or whether I don't have one, Paul always said, "My I'm content in my relationship with God. So Ecclesiastes, the King Solomon says that how meaningless it is to think that wealth brings true happiness. This was the wealthiest man in the history of the world. Verse 11, the more you have, 
the more people come to help you spend it. It reminds me of pro football players and basketball players, these athletes who can make incredible amounts of money overnight once they get out of college. As a banker, I had a lot of pro athletes who were customers of mine. I obviously won't give you any names that would be improper, but I had many of them who would come to me and they all of a sudden became multimillionaires and they'd open up their accounts and they have all kinds of money. But then all of a sudden, they would call me maybe six months after they got their big multi-million dollar contract and they would call me and say that they were broke, that the money that they had had just gone through their hands quickly. And they, I asked them, well, are you budgeting? Are you planning a way for your expenses? Are you looking at ways to have something when you're not able to play football or basketball or whatever it was? And they usually always said, no, I just want to bless my, my friends. I want to have a group of people around. I want to party with them. And they would have these entourages. I remember one athlete came in one time. He had about six or seven men standing around. And I said, who are these fellas? He says, oh, they're my friends and they're my buddies. Well, King Solomon said, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. And quite frankly, he discovered later that that's what their goal was, to help him spend their money on them. It goes on to say, so what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? So that's an interesting way to describe it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? Maybe what he's saying there is that we learn from the bad decisions we make with money. We learn the mistakes that we've made. So if you have gone through a lot of money and you've spent a lot of money, you've maybe made a lot of money because also spent a lot of money, maybe we should learn from that as it slips through our fingers. So let's get back to the focus now on the word greed and take a closer look at God's word. But before that, I really feel impressed to the Holy Spirit to make a few comments about wealth. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying about wealth and riches. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with being rich. I believe the Lord needs people who have a lot of substance, a lot of finances to give to the church. When I was a fundraiser in a major church, I went on a goal to try and raise $15 million for a big building program. I met with individuals who were wealthy. I met with individuals who were average income people and some people that quite frankly, didn't have hardly any money at all. I found it fascinating that all of them, regardless of their financial position, wanted to do something to give to the work of the Lord in their church. But when I talked to the, the people didn't, who didn't have a lot of money, they would make a big commitment and say, this is what I want to do for God. And I would say, that's wonderful and that's great. I remember I had one guy, I don't think his income was more than twenty-five dollars or $30,000 a year. He was trying to raise a family with that. He was just struggling. And he said, I really believe that I want to give $5 million to the Lord, to the work of the Lord here in the church. Well, that was wonderful and great. But in reality, I wasn't sure how he was going to accomplish that. So it, it's something that was on his heart, something he thought the Lord could bless him with. And, and please don't misunderstand understand God has the ability to get that kind of money to anyone and they can go ahead and give that blessing to the work of the Lord. However, in that particular case, I found that those that weren't making a lot of money, but they were making decent income, maybe 50, 60, 80, $100,000 a year, had a little bit of a more difficult time to give their finances to the work of the Lord. And then I found the ultra wealthy were basically either on one side or the other. The one side would be they wanted to give a million dollars or two or three million dollars to the work of the Lord. Or others who were extremely wealthy didn't want to give anything to the work of the Lord. So it really doesn't matter how much money we have or we don't have. What it has to deal with is our heart, the condition of our heart. If we are right in our relationship with God, 
we'll be right in our relationship and giving. If we're right in our understanding of God and what His Word says for our life, then we will know how to avoid greed in our life. You know, it's not just wealthy people who are greedy. There are some people who don't have a lot financially, but they become very greedy and, and they'll, they're, they're very stingy and not, not very generous in what they have. I've counseled a lot of married couples over the years who have struggled with the idea of spending money and, and the wife might want to do something small for the house, like buy a $20 thing or a $40 thing. And they would get into big battles because she bought a little lamp or she bought a rug or something. And the husband and wife would be in struggles and battles over that. I believe that, that there's a form of greed in that when we allow ourselves to make money more important than our relationships with God and relationships with other people. So please don't misunderstand me when I say that wealthy people struggle with money. It works for people of all financial status. And there's certainly nothing wrong with having finances. I've always said to people, if God wants to bless you financially, he's doing it for a reason. He wants to bless us so that we can receive and be blessed, but also to be a blessing. I was talking to a man this week and I said, I feel sometimes like in my life that I've been a big giant piece of PVC pipe. That's a big plastic pipe that people use to put in the ground, a big open piece of pipe. And I feel like that's kind of what my arms are. When I reach out to the Lord, it's like a giant conduit. God blesses me on one side. It comes through me and I'm blessed. I can provide for my home and my family, go on vacations, give to the work of the Lord and just be blessed in all areas of my life. But then that financial blessing is to go to me and then through me so that it can become a blessing to someone else. We don't have to give away every dollar that we have, but we have to be willing to give. I believe when when the rich man came to Jesus and Jesus says, you know, he gave him instruction that the young man said, I should digress a little here. The young man said, well, you know, I've served you and I'm doing everything I can for you and I follow the commandments and all this good stuff. And Jesus said, that's fine. Then, then sell all the that you have and follow me. And the young man responded with, oh, I can't do that. And I don't believe necessarily that Jesus wanted him to give away every dollar that he had and become pauper, be poor and be broke. What I do believe was that if he would have responded with to Jesus, Lord, if that's what it takes, then I'm willing to do it. And I I would have really liked to be able to be there and have that question, Lord, what would you have done had he said that? And I believe that the Lord would have been pleased with that because he's more concerned about the condition of the heart rather than whether we're wealthy or not. So if our condition of our heart is that we want to be a blessing to someone else, we want to be a blessing and not not only in the area of money, but we want to be a blessing in the area of just helping people and reaching out to people and serving in the church in some capacity. Even if you're an usher, a greeter at the church, just in some way, give of what you have to someone else. God will see that and he'll bless it. So don't think that having money means that you're automatically greedy. That is not what I'm teaching here today. But do understand that God has instructions on how to avoid greed. And I want to be sure that everyone listening today understands that message that God wants to bless us. He wants us to prosper in all things and be in good health even as our soul prospers. Now let's return to the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church and he's giving them instructions on how to deal with pride and greed and challenges in our life. There's a lot of wonderful advice I would encourage you, matter of fact, to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and read the entire chapter. I'm going to read just a few verses in this to give you an idea of the type of instruction that we need when it comes to the area of greed. 
Paul's going on here talking about various things. And he says in verse 9, When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or are greedy or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave this world to avoid people like that. Verse 11, he says, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. That's that's pretty interesting. There's, there's a lot to talk about in there. And so let's kind of touch on a few items. First of all, what Paul's saying is we would expect that type of conduct, sexual sin, being greedy, cheating people, that type of thing with people who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, people who are not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They're not Christians, but we would not expect to see that with people who are believers. They've given their life to Christ. They've accepted Jesus as, as Lord and Savior, but they're they're indulging in all these sinful things. They're, they're greedy and they're worshiping idols or they're abusive or, or they're, they cheat people. It says don't even get together with them. Now, he's not saying that we shouldn't witness to those people and instruct them and show them the word of God and tell them exactly what what's wrong and what needs to be done there. I mean, there's nothing wrong with us talking to them that way. What he's saying is don't let them influence you. You see, many times Christians will be drawn to wealthy people. I've seen, not in our church, not I can think of, but but in I've seen in churches where a wealthy, wealthy man comes to church and they bring him in and they just comfort him and, and provide for him and give him the best seat in the house and, and, and want to be associated with him because they're thinking that maybe that person is going to do something financially for the work of the Lord. Well, I don't think that's something that's really that pleasing to the Lord. I believe that everyone that comes into the house of God needs to be treated the same way. We need to treat the person who is, is poor, the, the widow who doesn't have much, the financial the person who has a serious financial problem. They need to be loved and cared for. The person who's wealthy needs to be loved and cared for. So what Paul is saying here, and it's so important for understand that. Don't be drawn to people who are believers who who live immoral lives. They're abusive or, or they cheat people. They're they're known that way. I know in many examples that I've had over the years of being a banker, I had a lot of people who would come into my bank because they would knew that I was a Christian, that I was a believer in the in the Lord Jesus Christ. And they would come in and meet with me and they'd want to do business with me. Now the vast majority of them, probably 98% of the people who wanted to come in and do business with me because I was a believer were great people and they would open up accounts. I'd maybe make a car loan to them or do whatever it might be what they needed and I would treat them just like any other customer. But there would be that one small group of people, maybe two or three percent of the people that I knew who would come into the bank and make a statement like, well, since you're a Christian, you'll understand my business better and you'll understand what I'm trying to accomplish. And I would talk to them and find out what their history was like, what kind of activities they've been involved with. Do they believe in the get-rich-quick schemes or are they interested in steady plotting brings prosperity, that hasty speculation brings poverty? And many times they would get offended by that and say, well, I don't believe in all that stuff because I believe that God wants to bless me and wants to bless me now, today, so that I can be rich and I can have all kinds of money and I can help all kinds of people and and, and really have all the money that God wants me to have. Well, 
those type of people were usually greedy people. They were people who were abusive to others. They were people who had cheated other people. In certain cases, I had people who had literally gone into the church and were taking money from individuals for investment opportunities, and they would turn around and, quite frankly, cheat them out of their money, and there would never be a return. The money would disappear. It was gone, and they used, these people would use the church as a source of profit. That's greed. That's just flat-out blatant greed, and God is not going to be pleased with that. And so Paul's trying to warn us here that there's there's people who are Christians and people who are not. We expect it out of the people who are not, but we certainly don't expect it for the people who are Christians. People who are followers of Christ should never act in that way. Before I end this teaching today, let me address the issue of evangelists who come into the church. Sometimes that causes confusion. People think, well, they're only there to get a bunch of money and they're they're there in order to take what they can get from the church. And I totally disagree with that. The Just every single evangelist that I've ever met are incredible people who love the Lord. They're people who are called to do a great work. And they're doing things that, that most people would never consider even doing. And matter of fact, I would like to give you a little word of caution right now. If you really feel that you are called to be a missionary or an evangelist, you would be wise to seek counsel to be sure that that people can help you and talk to you to understand the demands on your life, what it means to be a missionary or evangelist, the reliance that you must have upon the Lord. We've got to be sure that we're called of the Lord before we do that. That's nothing we just do on a whim or on on just a moment thought. We need to pray about it. We need to seek God and believe that he will guide and direct us and help us. So I, I, I want to point out what Paul said to the book in Thessalonia. He wrote in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians. He said, you know, basically he said, we come here, we want to be a blessing. We're not here to take from you. He says in verse 4, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our heart. Never once did we try to win you with flattery, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friends just to get your money. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Paul wants to be so clear for them to understand that he's there because God has called him to be there. And that he's not there just to get their money. He's there because he feels that the Lord has called him to go into that area and to minister to them and to help those people. So we must be very careful if we if we say anything negative or derogatory about visiting evangelists or missionaries or even the pastor of your church. I would avoid that at all costs. We need to make sure that their motives are right and pure and that our motives and thoughts are pure. As a matter of fact, one of the examples of greed is to have bad motives, to have thoughts that are just of self. See, a person who's greedy is not a person who wants to share. A person who is greedy is a person who wants it for themselves, to build and to keep and to increase in what they have. Someone who is greedy cannot comprehend the idea of giving back to others and extending themselves to others because what that means, it's taking away from what they've been greedy about to attain. So you know that greed is not in your life if you have a desire to help others, if you have a desire to be a blessing to other people. So I would encourage you to learn how to avoid those who are greedy, to be careful when you sit with those who have a form of greed because they can be a negative influence on you. 
Be careful when you read instructions about investing and taking the finances that your family has to try and gain wealth. Remember what I said earlier that that the Lord blesses steady plotting. It's found in the book of Proverbs. Steady, Steady plotting says brings prosperity, but hasty speculation brings poverty. Any type of hasty speculation is a form of greed. We should run from it and stay away from it. The Word of God tells us that avoid all forms of greed. In the next episode, I'm going to continue on this subject of greed because there's just there's so much to learn and there's so much I haven't had a chance yet to get into in a little 25-30 minute podcast. So we're going to be addressing, let me give you a couple scriptures that I'll be addressing and I pray that the Lord will help you understand them if you'd like to read those before you listen into the upcoming message, which is message number 35 and it's going to be entitled how to recognize financial greed. I'll give you a couple scriptures you might want to look at before you listen to episode number 35. Proverbs 119 says, greed takes away life. Proverbs 28.25 tells us greed stirs dissension. Proverbs 5.27, greed troubles your house. Ephesians 5.5, greedy will not inherit God's kingdom. And 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 says that we're not to be greedy, but we're supposed to be eager to serve. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this teaching today. I thank you for the opportunity that I have had to share with those listening, Father, literally all over the world. As I discovered the other day that this podcast has been downloaded in countries in over 80 countries around this world, and I'm so thankful for that. I pray, pray, Father, that you would bless those who are listening in, and maybe they've had a problem struggling with greed and a love of finances. Lord, that doesn't mean that they have no hope. Matter of fact, just the opposite. They have hope in you, Father, because nothing is impossible with you. Father, you can help people no matter what they've gone through or what they're going through. So I pray right now, Father, if there's those who are here who have maybe been cheated out of funds or been misled and lost money through investments, Father, that they would forgive that person because your word tells us, Lord, that we should pray for those who've persecuted us, Father, and those who've literally come up against us, Lord, and even those who've been untrustworthy and those who have taken from us, Father, would have pray for them, Father, and pray that you would change their life. And Lord, I just lift up all those listening today that you would bless them and keep them and strengthen them, Father God, and let them draw closer to you, Father, because as they do, Lord, you promise that you draw closer to us. I thank you for this now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast series of Quality Christian Living where we're dealing with finances require faith and prayer. And Lord, where we're learning today how to avoid greed in our life and those who are greedy. Father, I pray that you would bless, Father God, the upcoming sessions in these podcasts. And now any of you out who are out there today who would love to get more information, you can subscribe to my podcast on cpnshows.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like additional information on some of the writings that I've had, as I've had several books that are on Amazon and can be found at any bookstore you want to go to, my webpage is at davidcfriendauthor.com. And there's a place where you can subscribe to a weekly newsletter that will be coming out shortly. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and give you peace. May you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So until next time, may God richly bless you.